Hey guys, so my name is Nina Pond. I'm currently here with my team helping minds consisting of members Lokesh Paulika, Alyssa Avance, and Gia Patel. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Chitra Matthew, and we are so, so pleased to have you with us today. Hi, good morning. Uh, my name is Chitra Matthew, and I'm a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. I work in Arizona. And I work for Arizona Integrated Telemedicine and Telepsychiatry Services. And I have been working as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner for the last eight years. Okay. So um, our first question for you today is, how do you track mental health data and why is it important towards your work? Okay, that's a pretty loaded question. So I'm going to give you the rundown of various um, data tracking first. Um, there are a few ways professionals and researchers gather mental health data. One common way is through surveys and questionnaires where individuals um, share their experiences and their symptoms. So when a patient comes to our clinic for assessments, we use uh, some structured interviews and there are like paper pencil tests um, when they fill that questionnaire out, we understand their mental health um, on a basic level. And we have electronic health records. We also call it as EHRs. They also play a big role. So when we all chart on a patient, um, if the patient is seen by several different levels of caregivers, we all can communicate through that EHR to see the bigger picture of that patient. And there are different apps that, you know, we use in mental health for tracking. Um, some medications come with an app and, you know, an electronic tracking system so that the patient can chart their own mood and stress levels, um, including their sleep patterns, their appetite, how they function in their daily lives so that doctor can see it in a remote setting. So you don't really have to talk to the patient, but you can communicate through the app. And in some studies, like research activities, the biometric data is also used, like brain activity um, and heart rate and all that, so that we can see what all happening in the physical level too. And many a times, behavioral observations, they play a big role in how you come up with a conclusion um, about what's happening with um, a patient or a person's life. And, okay. you know, we can keep track of what is state-wise, nation-wise, and worldwide, you know, the health, mental health data. You can go to specific websites, like um, each state has their own um, health department, right? They keep track of what is happening in a state level. And uh, National Institute of Mental Health, they have their own national data and WHO has their own data recording what's happening globally. Um, so just a follow-up question, if that's okay. Uh -huh. uh, would this like survey that you talked about earlier, would it be provided during like a physical or like their yearly checkups? 
Yeah, so if a patient comes to the clinic and if they um, are getting treated, they need to be followed up weekly or biweekly, monthly. So they come up regularly for their follow-up appointments, medication checks, counseling, and all related services. So it's more frequent than yearly. Um, it's um, at least every month until they become stable. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay, next question is, what would you consider to be the leading causes of mental health issues today? I think, you know, there are a lot of factors we uh, take into consideration when we talk about issues. It can stem from various things in day-to-day -day life. Also, genetics play a big role in how the the mental health problems manifest, specifically like serious um, mental health problems like schizophrenia, bipolar, and those conditions do have a very high um, genetic correlation. And imbalances in the body, like, you know, if you have dementia, you can have some mental health issues related to that. And other environmental stressors like, you know, stress in school, stress at work, stress at home, they all can lead to, you know, other mental health issues. And social factors such as discrimination or feeling isolated, bullying in school is a big thing nowadays. You know, all those things can lead to uh, mental health issues. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So for our next question is, how do you think social media affected the way teens view the world around them? Oh, social media can really mess with how, especially teens, how they um, see themselves. This constant comparisons to others um, that happens through social media uh, that can lead to anxiety and depression in many um, teenagers. Cyberbullying is another thing that goes on, and many a times uh, with this, you know, uh, things that you can do with the technology, you, you you will be thinking, okay, you're talking to a particular person, and it could turn out to be somebody else whom you don't really think that the person is. So those kind of bullying happens a lot in these platforms, and I think you know, kids live in a constant um, pressure all the time because of this media involvement. I'm not saying that it's all bad. There are good things too. But I think there is a um, there is some need for some kind of monitoring um, to make sure that everybody is safe. Um, for our next question, would you consider mental health to be health? Why or why not? Of course, mental health is a health. <laughs> so um, it's a crucial part of being healthy overall. So when you think about health, um, it's not just your physical body. Like you have a mind, you have a spirit, you have a, you know, the social structure that you have to take care of all of it, your physical, social, spiritual, and mental well-being they go hand in hand and they all these areas needs to be balanced 
to uh, to have a fulfilled life. I have a follow-up question. So why do you think people would like argue that mental health is not health? Um, I think um, it's not very tangible for people. Many a times when somebody feels stressed, say for example, there is a lot of stress at work. So people have a tendency to think that, okay, this is a normal thing. This is a corporate thing. Everybody goes through this, so there is nothing unusual. But when that stress goes undetected for a long time, that can really weigh on how they look at life itself. Everything can feel like, okay, this is so burdensome and it can even lead to like, I do, I cannot take it anymore. I will just flee from here. I'll just, you know, um, I'll just quit my life and, you know, stuff like that. Even um, the stress can lead to that far. Okay. So, so that's why people think that it is normal, which is not really normal. <laughs> uh, um. That is understandable. So, um, for the people who do are who are struggling with mental health or like um stress, right? Since most teens are, what would you recommend are the best techniques for teens under stress to like deal with their stress? I think um, mindfulness is a big tool. You know that is very handy because if you know how to control your breath it can control your to an extent you can relax your body and thus your mind and then everything else that comes after it so when you're like really really stressed if you can um practice to focus on your breath it balances your chemical system your chemical body and that's your stress hormones go back to uh, the baseline and then you can carry on with life. You feel more um, capable of dealing with stress. And good time management is another thing. You know, you can seek support from friends. You can seek counseling. You can do activities that, you know, that keeps you happy you know, engage in something, physical activities or play or being with your friends, a lot of stuff that makes you happy. And not to forget eating healthy. Yeah. So how do these techniques help improve mental health? So like you said that breathing helps kind of connect the mind and the body. So how, mm -hmm. so how does that help, like, more with mental health? Yeah, as I said, it also um, regulates your chemical brain. It means when you are stressed, there are uh, some stress hormones that are produced in your body, right? So stress is not always bad, but the prolonged stress is what causes problem. So when the stress hormones are released, it helps you to act more uh, focused in a task to get through that fight or flight situation. But once that situation is over, chemicals are supposed to go back and get stored in the body so that you can reuse it. But if the stress is very chronic, 
these chemicals, they stay in your system and it causes wear and tear of your nervous system and your whole, um, whole body. And that chronic stress leads to mental tiredness and then to um, other problems. So if you practice mindfulness and other techniques, uh, you can go back to your baseline time to time so that your body has time to recuperate from the stress. And thus you can do uh, more, you become more resilient, you become more, you will feel fulfilled that you can take on the stress. So that, that will improve the mental health. So our next question is, how can the misuse of substances affect a teenager's mental health? Yeah, that is a big topic nowadays because um, it's very prevalent in our society now. There are studies that shows that almost more than 90% of teens have at least tried some um, form of addiction or addictive materials um, before they become an adult. So these substances, many of them, because it is not illegal people think that it's say for example alcohol alcohol is legal after 21 years right as per the um, rules so people think that okay if something is legal it's okay to do it but what people don't understand is you know it still changes the chemical structure of your brain and it can lead to addiction it can mess up with your cognitive function and it can lead to increased risk of mental disorders. And that in terms, you know, in turn affects your social and um, mental well-being. Did I answer your question? Yes. So the next question is, what are the consequences of not taking the preventative measures for your mental health? So um, if you don't address your mental health problems proactively, it could lead to worsening of your mental health disorders. Um, and it can lead to strained relationships. It reduces your quality of life and even your physical health. There are so many psychosomatic diseases that um, is, say for example, um, fibromyalgia kind of disease. It has a very um, psychological origin uh, because when body looks at pain, sometimes it doesn't distinguish between what is mental pain and physical pain. And your mental pain can reflect as a physical pain and makes you think that you're physically struggling, but it could be the origin could be a stressful life event or situation that triggered it. Okay, so the next question I would ask, I want to ask is, um, what are the psychological and physical benefits of common techniques such as daily meditation or yoga? 
So I think we partly um, touched on it before. The daily meditation and yoga, they can do wonders. Um, they're linked to the reduced stress, improved focus, um, better emotional control, and increased self-awareness. And this can bring in positive changes in brain structure and function. So that helps you to function in life better. So I guess a follow-up question for me is, why do you think people who are dealing with stress wouldn't take these um, um, these common techniques that help with psychological and physical? Um, you know, mindfulness-like techniques, um, in order to see the full effect of those, you have to practice it daily. And because... We are usually looking at like, okay, I do something now and I get the result right away. These practices, they do have, it just builds you up for um, a better mental health long term. And even though it, it can help your daily life, when you're really caught up in distress, many, many times people don't remember to practice it. But I think if it's a matter of integrating that into your daily life, whether you have stress or not, you keep practicing it so that it becomes your nature to just take it out and use it. You know, I, I know many professionals who, um, they go above and beyond to invest more in their career and they forgot to take care of themselves. So, um, you know, spending time with the family or going out for a vacation um, or going to gym daily or, you know, all those simple things that you can do to take care of yourself. People don't really focus on it because there are other things that takes precedence over this in their mind. So when would you say is time, like, how does a person know when it's time to seek professional help for their mental health? Yeah, that's another question. So if something is too much, that's when you should look at it. Say, for example, um, if your um, problems making you not sleep, are you skipping meals and not really feeling hungry? Those are the simple things that would happen in life. Or are you lashing out at people without any reason? Or, you know, if you, do, you, or do you feel overwhelmed? Like, you know, everything is too much. How can I handle? That's the time. It's time to sit back and think, okay, what is that I'm not doing right? You know, what is that causing these issues? How can I deal with it? Um, if my anxiety and depression are, like, making my life miserable or... I'm not being me. So these are the questions people need to ask themselves and seek help at that point. Are you, am I having thoughts of I don't want to live anymore? So those are like extreme situations that stress can lead you to. So like speaking of anxiety, like how do you think anxiety specifically affects the everyday lives of teenagers and young adults? Yeah, so many times a little bit of anxiety is gone unnoticed uh, because these symptoms are very subtle. Say, for example, okay, um, 
I cannot focus on my work. So people think that, okay, I cannot focus on my work. I struggled with, with focus a long time, but that focus problem can be a part of your anxiety. And as I said before, are you not sleeping? Are you not eating well? Are you getting irritated? Are you getting constant headaches? Are you getting abdominal pain for no reason? And all these things can, you know, can lead to, or this could be like a primary symptom of your anxiety that you are going through for a long time. Um, so that was it for our first podcast. We are uh-huh. so thankful for everybody that listened, and we're especially thankful for our guest speaker today, Chitra Matthew. And we hope you'll have the re- best rest of your day. And yeah, bye. Thank you so much, all of you. Thank you. Fun chatting with you guys. (laughs) Bye. 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 Bye.